when um, you have to understand, when I uh, began at a large church as a youth pastor a long, long time ago, there was a little bit of a hesitation towards letting the youth pastor get up and do anything with a microphone. It was a large church. It was like 3,000 people, but there was a history at that church. They, they were, they, it wasn't that they weren't going to give me a chance to really get up and preach. They were nervous about giving me a microphone to get up and do announcements or to do a welcome. There was just a hesitation. Come to find out, in the history of this church, there had been a predecessor of mine uh, who I had actually met through the years. And he got up one Easter morning with this as the welcome. Merry Christmas! <laughs> and everyone's looking at him and he said, because for a lot of you, that might be the next time I see you. So I wanted to get a jump on it and bring you a Christmas greeting. He lost his job as the pastor of announcements that day. And for all the youth pastors to come, there was a real nervousness about giving any one of us a microphone because of what we might say. Now, I would say this. I've been at this thing for quite a while, and I would say some of the hardest times for me to actually stand up and communicate and speak with any kind of creativity or interest is, is, is the holidays. Because you all know the punchline. You all know how the story ends. You're like, yep, Christmas, ready for it? baby was born. You're like, yeah, I know. Ready for it? Tomb's empty, right? And you're like, yeah, that's what the guy said last year too. <laughs> and so let me do this. Let me make the punchline personal. Because what I think is most significant to us is that we begin to understand that the resurrection is supposed to be all of our stories. The resurrection was never supposed to be a static event that happened in one man's life 2,000 years ago where we come together and reenact it and just go, isn't that cool? The resurrection is supposed to be part of your story. So hopefully this day, this moment is something that feels more and increasingly personal to you. Um, and so what I think that is supposed to happen is we're invited to this romance, this kind of courtship that unfolds with our relationship with God, and we're able to, as the days and the years go by, take steps of growth and even need to recalibrate. Sometimes spiritual growth feels like two steps forward and one step back. But like any marriage, like any courtship, what we understand is we have to renew our vows. Either we're in or we're out for sickness and in health, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. The resurrection gives us a chance to begin again. The resurrection gives us a chance to create a new normal. The resurrection is supposed to be the most defining mark of our story in light of Christ's story, and that should be really personal to all of us. So let me just say, how is it, and ask the question, how is it that we should live in light of the resurrection? And the way I can explain this is maybe through four appearances that happened after Jesus was resurrected. If you think about it, most of the, bi or most of the gospel accounts is about the unfolding of Jesus's life. But we have four really clear snapshots that happen to help us live into the resurrection. Because most of us feel this sort of drudgery. Most of us feel this sort of woundedness, this inadequacy. But listen to what Jesus does in four appearances. I don't know if you remember the story, but after Jesus' resurrection, the tomb is empty. He, he appears first 
to these two men on the road to Emmaus. They were walking along. His identity somehow was hidden from them. And where they were going was Emmaus because a hundred years earlier, in, in about three, uh, like three BC or whatever, a uh, hundred years before Jesus, there was a successful revolt of the Roman government. And so these guys were walking along the road disillusioned because they thought he would be the new Moses. They thought that this guy Jesus was going to be the new deliverer. Just like Moses had delivered them, uh, the, the, the Israelites from Egypt, they thought that Jesus would be the ones to deliver them from the oppressive rule of Rome. And so when he left, they're like, what are we going to do now? And so they start retracing their steps. Well, the last time we had any momentum, any success was Emmaus. So they begin their journey. Why? Because they were disillusioned. Is that part of your story? He makes a second appearance, and it was to the 11. The 11 that were gathered in the upper room. The interesting thing about it is they had already been commissioned, and Jesus makes a second appearance, and the door was locked. Why? Because they were afraid. Is fear part of your story? If the resurrection gives us permission to walk in boldness, is part of what we're living with the kind of fear of God actually showing up, the fear that God is actually faithful. God shows up and he recommissions them and he sends them back out. He makes a third appearance to Thomas. Thomas wasn't a part of the room, but Thomas was doubting. Now, I would say this. I have no qualms with anyone who comes to me with their skepticism. I have no qualms with anyone who expresses and articulates doubt because I've got them. And maybe the best prayer that you can pray today is, Lord, <laughs> I believe, just help my unbelief. That's a worthy prayer for us all to pray. But what I have found is some of the most skeptical-minded people are also the most intellectually lazy. And the reason I say that is, I don't mind. God's not threatened by your doubts. The question is, what are you doing with it? Jesus meets Thomas and he says, feel, touch, see, I'm risen, I'm real. And he recommissions him. He makes one more appearance, right? And it was to Peter. The Peter, the guy who says, I'll never deny you. Three times later, he denies him almost on cue. And he comes alongside of him and he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And what he does for a man who feels completely disqualified, he reinstates him. He recommissions him. So what does that have to do with us? How then shall we live into the resurrection? If you are a person who has ever struggled with being disillusioned, with God, with faith, with the church. If you've ever struggled with fear, if you've ever battled doubts, if you've ever felt disqualified from the love of God, God, through his son, comes alongside of us post-resurrection and he says, you still have everything you need to be like me. And then he recommissions them as he recommissions us. Some of you came in limping today. The, the point of the resurrection is that we can actually experience some kind of healing. And so that's resurrection for the rest of us. And oh, oh how do we need it? Not just once and for all, but often. Have you ever been so paralyzed by doubt? Have you ever been so overwhelmed with guilt? Have you ever been gripped by kind of a shame or the abuse or the regret or the addiction? Jesus says, my grace is sufficient unto you. 
So here's what he does, and this is kind of interesting. He gives us a conditional guarantee, which sounds like definitely maybe, sometimes always. But he says these words that are super important for us to understand what it means to live into the resurrection. And he talks about it like this. I've told you all these things. This is John chapter 16, verse 33. And he says, I've told you all these things because in me you may have peace. But in this world, you will have trouble. Do you see what he's saying here? You can walk in relationship with me, and you might or might not have peace. But guaranteed, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome. Which is like saying the story is still being written. Your story is still being written. Your regrets, your shame, how you were abused, how you're struggling today, whatever you carry, the story is not done yet. It's still being written and God's still bringing hope. And so resurrection for the rest of us is about this life-changing, life-altering, game-changing, transformational experiences. We all have them. The problem is, is they don't always produce better outcomes, but they can be redeemed. I think life is full of transformational experiences. We have moments in our story. We have moments in our day. We have things that happened last year. We have things that happened when we were in nine that we can't unexperience. We can't unlearn. We can't forget because we're not supposed to. What God does is he begins to heal the memories. Now, let me just say this about transformational experiences because you have them, we have them, and through the resurrection, they can be redeemed. Sometimes transformational experiences are reactionary. They happen to us. We didn't plan for them and we certainly didn't want them. Just like that cancer diagnosis, just like that abuse that you incurred, just like that being fired or having to declare bankruptcy. Whatever this part of the story is, there is something that happens in all of our lives that maybe wasn't what you intended and it certainly wasn't what God intended, but it happened. And the question is, what are we going to do in light of the resurrection with the parts of our story that we can't unlearn and unexperience? The point that I would simply remake is that it's not the end of the story. I think it always has the potential to give us a new lease on life, a new, a new potential. It can always be healed. Now, the other part of it is some transformational experiences are elective. We choose them. I chose to get married. Ouch and amen. Right? Because all of a sudden I had this huge shift in the pronoun of my life from me, my calendar, my money, my time, to we. Oh, that feels like death. Because on the far side of death, in Christ is new life. I chose to have kids. And you know what I did? I gave up my weekends. I gave up sleeping in, and I'd do it all again. I gave up discretionary income, and all of a sudden, I chose to have the most life-changing, transformational experience because I got married and I had kids. I chose to move away to college. I actually didn't want to leave home. I actually was quite comfortable living with the familiar surroundings and the good relationship that I had with my parents and extended family. 
but I chose what became a transformational experience to start from scratch, to start over. Some of you chose to come to America. Some of you chose to move to Austin, and you started from ground zero with a new job, ground zero with faith community, ground zero with friendships and a neighborhood. And God is writing a new story. What I'm saying is, whatever the transformational experience is, whether it was something that you chose or whether it was something that was kind of delivered to you, they all have the chance to be redeemed in light of the resurrection. And that's always something we might not ever want to go through them again. But if we're honest, we're glad they did in Christ. Christ heals all things. Christ redeems all things, comma, if we let him. So what do you believe about the resurrection? Is the resurrection merely a static event in history that happened to one person? But the idea that we can be born again and again and again is the promise of the resurrection. And sometimes it looks like resistance and other times it looks like survival. But over time, we can heal, we can grow, we can grow in compassion uh, again if we let it. There's a story that comes to us uh, by a pastor in the southern part of France during World War II. Actually, it was at the outset of World War II. The pastor's name was Pastor Andre Trockman. Pastor Andre was leading a small little reformed church in a village that sat on a plateau, plateau. Now, in the southern part of France, it was unoccupied, but the government didn't have much power because all of the, uh, the Nazi forces had already invaded France. But in this community, they began sheltering Druze from 1940 to 1945, anywhere from three to 5,000 Jews were sheltered in this town. They were given ration cards. They were given um, fake IDs. The children, the Jewish children, were being educated in this French village. And eventually, many of them, three to 5,000, were given safe passage onto Switzerland. Pastor Andre began preaching a message in his village and to his people. And he says, there is a way to live in light of the resurrection. It's not simply that I get to be saved and I get to go to heaven when I die. No, I think the transformational experience that happens isn't just that I get saved from my sins or I go somewhere. The transformational experience is that it's more about transformation than it is about destination. And God invites us to participate with his reconciling, healing, and even justice and advocating work. Well, here's what's interesting about Pastor Andre. The Reformed Church, here's what he's doing in, this, in the southern town. The southern town was a La Chambon-sur-Lignon. And in this community, he had kind of just created this whole ethic that says, we're going to live differently. And the church says, could you tamp that down? You're going to get us all in trouble. And he goes, nope. Then the Vichy government, which didn't have a lot of authority, but it was still in control, comes to him and says, we hear what you're doing. Could you please stop? You're going to draw unwanted Nazi attention. He's like, yeah, no. So here's what they do. He's working with the youth group, right? He's got these kids and he's got these families and it's a village. It's a, it's a closed entity. It's not like they got neighboring towns. I mean, they're sitting on this plateau in a mountain community. And here's what he says. They put together this parade and they invite German officials to come to the parade. And then they have a band playing. They build a stage. And he gets up and he reads a letter to them. And you know what the letter says? Dear Mr. German official, we're so glad that you're here today. 
But we want you to know something. We know that what you're doing with the men in Paris, we know that what you're doing with the wives being separated from their husbands and the children that are being separated from their parents, we know what's going on. And we want you to know, Mr. German official, that we believe in this town, all of us believe that regardless of race, regardless of what person's religion is or whether they have physical defects or not, we believe that every person bears the image of God. This is to the guest of honor, right? I mean, you want to talk about picking a fight. He says, and we want you to know, Mr. German official, that there are Jews on this plateau that you will never find. Are you kidding me? I want to live that story. I want to live that way. But if I'm honest, spiritually speaking, as the pastor of a community, I want you to live that way too. I want us to live that way. So then the question is, what story do we want to live into? Transformation is always supposed to be a part of the human experience in me and through me. But good always comes with hard, just like belief always comes with action. Let me say that again. Listen, if we're going to live into a transformational experience, it will be both good and hard. But if we say we believe something is true, then it requires an action and a trust that God is going to provide. Circumstances will always change your life, maybe for better, maybe for worse, but only Christ can redeem them. And Jesus makes this all possible. Jesus makes this all possible, but there's no new life without first a death, a letting go, a surrender, a willing to take responsibility for the waywardness and taking the scenic route through life and say, Lord, thank you that your grace is sufficient for me. This is the promise of Easter, and it's why the resurrection matters to all of us. It's why the resurrection is supposed to be all of our story. It's why the resurrection and why we make such a big deal over this one day because it's a chance to begin again and again and again. And it's a chance to heal. God won't let you forget the hardest parts of your life. And whatever transformational experience you've had, whatever hardship you've endured, doesn't have to be the end of the story. God can heal it. God can grow it if we let him. Can I pray with you? Our Father in heaven, I'm reminded of your loving kindness. I'm reminded of your mercy. But I'm also reminded that this world feels broke. But I'm, I'm thankful that this, even though this is the world that you created, it's not the world that you intended. And Lord, we are getting glimpses of hell on earth every day and all the time. We hear of bombings in churches on Easter morning. We hear of dictator leaderships that are turning gas on their own people and abusing and authoring poverty. Lord, this is not the world that you intended. But we also realize that we're all writing new stories and living with old ones. We thank you that the tomb's empty. So I pray that you would fill our lives. Pray that you would come upon us in a new and a fresh way. I want to encourage you today, maybe this is the day that you can begin anew, that you can start again. 
I think transformation is always a process. And like I said, there's always things that we go through that we may not want to ever go through again. But we're learning. We're learning to trust. And so maybe the best prayer you can pray today is, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Or maybe it's this prayer. God, would you heal the memories of what you never intended, but what you're still a part of? Maybe what breaks your heart is the exact thing that's breaking God's heart. I just want to give you a chance. If you've never invited Christ into your life to declare your allegiance, to exchange vows, to do that today in the quietness of your own heart. Our Father in heaven, we pray for the ministry of your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds, make us aware of the pain and dull the edges. Pray and thank you for the sufficiency of your grace and of your mercy. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I said earlier, we are celebrating something called the new normal. And the resurrection isn't just a one-day event. We want to live into the resurrection. And so maybe the best way to celebrate the resurrection is in the coming days and in the coming weeks, we get to bring life to others. That is, God is healing our lives. That is, God is bringing us, moving us from a place of isolation into community or, or bringing us from a place of addiction into recovery or bringing us in a place from greed into generosity or bringing us from individualism into compassion. Maybe the story that God is writing is that we get to be a part of his salvation. We're always going to be a work in progress. But the good news is, and as a community, we get to bring life to others. So we didn't want Easter to end just because we hit the last note and go out and have an egg hunt. We wanted to do something that says, how could we leverage our hope in Christ for others' benefits? So over the last few weeks, we've been saving money. Over the last few weeks, I've also been challenging you to find needs. Is there teachers at your kid's school? Are there refugees or immigrants that have needs? Is there single parents that have cars that need to be repaired? We have been gathering up funds to be able to bring life, support, and encouragement to others. And if you need money to make that happen, we have some. And so what we want to do is commission you all in Jesus' name to go and bring life to others. One of the ways you can do that today is before you leave today, we have a bunch of HEB gift cards that are simply $25 gift cards. And if what you want to do is just leave here holstered with a gift card, 25 bucks because God is going to bring you some divine appointment and you want to be able to hear, hear someone's story and meet a tangible need. Maybe you're going through the checkout line and you realize someone is counting pennies because they can't pay for it. You come with something. Maybe you see someone at work. Maybe you see someone um, out on the street. Learn their name. Hear their story. But don't leave here today uh, without taking a, a, a gift card if that's what you want. For some of you, you're like, well, I've got to think about that. And I'm saying, think about it, but don't forget it. In the next coming weeks, like three weeks, we want to spend money if we need to in order to meet needs. And so over the last five weeks, we've saved upwards of $1,200 just by cutting out Starbucks, just by raking our own leaves, just by like ordering water instead of Cokes or wine at dinner. We've just been gathering up and, 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 and organizing ourselves in a way that just depositing money from simple and ordinary everyday purchases. 
but now we've got some money to spend because we want to bring life and encouragement and hope to others. So that's the plan today, friends. So I need you to not walk away from here and say, okay, that sounds like a good idea. I need you to be part of the strategy. If you're within the sound of my voice today, I want you to consider this a personal commission to live into the resurrection and in some way bring new life to others, bring support, bring encouragement. And if you need money, let us know. We've got some. Does that sound like a plan? Does that sound like heaven on earth? Does that sound like resurrection? Because that is the resurrection story that we get to write a new story where hell on earth, is, we just get to interrupt it and bring a little heaven on earth. And so that's what we want to do today, but in faith and in obedience and trust God for that. So can I just have you stand with me? We're going to go out of here celebrating God. If you want to grab some posters on your way out so that you can kind of be part of the rhythm experience. Uh, we're going to have a couple of ushers um, handing out. If you want a gift card, uh, we've got a, a limited number of them, but take one if that's what you want today. And uh, we want to encourage you as you go from this place uh, to just be thinking of ways that you can bring life and hope to others.